is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, I've spent hours, as I do every day, preparing for this program. And what's interesting is, not until about five minutes, maybe ten minutes before the show, do all my thoughts congeal into what I want to say at the opening of a program. I can't explain it. It's just the way it is. And so I'm reading all these stories. I decided to dig into some of the philosophers. I pulled some books off my shelf. I went back and looked at Liberty and Tyranny. Looked at some of the end notes there. Went back even further. Then circled back to more events that are occurring today. And I got to thinking. Then I've written 10 bullet points here. I've got to thinking that we have tens of millions of people in this country who do not want this country to survive. You know, great men, long before I had this radio show, including people who helped found this country, people in Philadelphia at the Constitutional Convention. They embrace certain principles, certain morals, certain religious beliefs. They embrace certain philosophers. Many of them were farmers, but they embrace philosophers nonetheless. And so I got to thinking. We literally have tens of millions of people in this country, citizens and non-citizens, who either want to destroy it or undermine it. We have a ruling class that seems to have no limits on its power. And then there are tens of millions of us who do love this country and want to protect it. 
and want our children and grandchildren to live in a free, prosperous nation. But we're losing. The Constitution's under attack, a frontal attack. It's not being complied with. The Declaration of Independence apparently is so controversial that we have presidents, then when they quote it, they leave out certain phrases in the Declaration. Because it doesn't comport with their ideology. The vast majority of people in Congress do not believe in capitalism. We even have corporatists who don't believe in capitalism. And certainly, our universities and colleges do not believe in capitalism. And what is capitalism? Capitalism is an extension of individual freedom. Voluntary transactions. You can't have a free society and have a socialist government. Or economic system. A Marxist government. You can't have a country that has no borders. Where immigration's out of control. You don't know who's coming here. That turns the whole notion of borders and immigration on their heads. Immigration is supposed to be about improving our society, improving the standard of living for citizens who actually live here. Our representatives are supposed to represent us, not foreigners who they don't even know, who haven't even stepped foot in our country yet. When you have indoctrination disguised as education, and that indoctrination is intended to brainwash children into hating their family, their faith, and their country. That's self-sabotage. No nation can survive that past maybe one generation. When you have a widespread belief pushed by the ruling class, and that includes the media, that abortion on demand that infanticide is an incredibly popular political issue. And this is what people want. This is what women want. Then you have a country that has no moral compass whatsoever. Surgical and chemical mutilation. With a new title, transgenderism. Of our children. In many cases, without parental notification. No country, no society has ever done that to itself, ever. When you have profligate, uncontrolled spending, borrowing, printing of money, you're destroying the currency, you're destroying people's savings, you're destroying people's wages. You're destroying their pensions. No better way to rip the heart out of a country than to destroy its economy. This is where we are today. This is where we are. When you watch CNN and MSNBC and some of these hosts... When you read the New York Times and the Washington Post. When you listen to the media in this country, they're all in. 
Here's the thing. I'm a very blessed man. I have this radio platform with 14 and a half million weekly listeners, millions more on podcast. I have a TV platform. I didn't seek it, but Fox gave it to me and then wanted another night on the weekends. Millions more people. So there's communication like never before. And for me, obviously, I take that responsibility very, very seriously. And then, of course, I write these books so I can do a deep dive on these subjects. There's over 300 million people in this country. I don't even come close to reaching all of them. Despite my radio syndication, despite the TV shows, the Democrat Party Hates America has sold in all formats over 300,000 copies. Not nearly as good as I hoped it would be. Because I think a small step in saving this republic is taking that party apart. Because it is the political umbrella, it's the political entity through all these other things that are happening. But it wasn't to be. And it's not to be. Then I got to thinking before I came on the air of Athens. The collapse of Athens. The collapse of Rome. And I thought to myself, and I noted here, more people live under tyranny than live under freedom today. More people have always lived under tyranny than under freedom. The two republics that preceded us didn't last that long. The Roman Empire lasted over a thousand years, but the Roman Republic lasted about 450, 500 years. None of them. None of them last in perpetuity. And neither will our country. Because our generation my age, in the 60s, and the generation right behind us, the 30s and 40s, are destroying the country. I'm not saying you are, obviously. But in the aggregate, our generation is destroying the country. We inherited such magnificence. Over 200 years of blood, sweat, and tears over 200 years of wars for our freedom and our security. Over 200 years of innovation, of experimentation, of failing and then succeeding. And it takes one generation. As it turns out, it takes one presidency. 
to destroy it all. To destroy it all. And if people don't want to be free, and if people don't want a republic, and if people don't want a functioning civil society where where families can happily walk the streets, where the border is secure, then we're not going to get it. I've often said the real puzzle of liberty is that liberty provides a platform for the creation or the advancement of tyranny. There's really no way around it. The framers knew this. This is why they created a fairly complex and complicated governing governing system. But those who do not embrace it, those who are tyrannical or totalitarian in mindset, whether they be Marxists or Islamists, they exist to destroy those complexities. Because they want to centralize power, impose their will, and enslave you in one form or another. And that's what they're doing. You feel powerless because more and more you are powerless. Everything from what kind of automobile you can drive, what kind of food you can eat, your appliances in your home, how you're going to raise your children, how your neighborhoods are being destroyed with wanton criminals coming across the border, and the nation is not protecting you, they're not protecting you in the streets. All this going on in the major issue is abortion. I'm defining to you that a, a country that is dying. I can come on here with a happy face, tap dance all over the place. I can do that, but I can't live with myself. I'll leave it to others to put a smiley face on this. Obviously, we keep fighting. Obviously, we push back. Obviously, we never say never. But it doesn't help anybody, especially those of us who love this country and freedom, to fool ourselves. And this is why you see what's going on in the streets. Where we are breeding human beings in our colleges and universities to embrace genocidal atrocities. That's pretty sick. And in media, that plays moral equivalency between those who rape, brutalize, slaughter, burn, and those who don't. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals in a Jewish school in Montreal, Jewish school, the little kids in Montreal, was bullet-ridden. Bullet-ridden. I believe it was yesterday. It's happening all over the world now. It's happening in our own country where Jewish people have died, have been beaten. Christians have been beaten for defending Jewish people. Today is November 10th. In four days, in Washington, D.C., there is an effort to rally in defense of humanity. And it begins with the state of Israel. And it's called the March for Israel in Washington, D.C. on November 14th. And Jewish organizations, Christian organizations all over the country are doing their very best to get as many people as possible to attend this peaceful rally. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Needs to be a mass rally. We see the protests in our cities here and there. But this would be a massive rally of people who believe in humanity and want to be seen and want to be heard. And it is my hope that there'll be half a million, maybe a million people there. So all of America and all of the world can see. On the National Mall, November 14th. I'll be back. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's 
L-E-V-I-N, to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Mark Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. Over at Breitbart, Joel Pollack, Mr. Producer, you need to speak up, uh, has, a, uh, has an excellent column there. We don't hear much about the Palestinian cause between wars, he writes. The late Palestinian intellectual Edward Syed defended Yasser Arafat, who was then still a notorious terrorist, not yet a corrupt kleptocrat, by saying that his sensational violence at least kept the Palestinian cause from disappearing entirely from the world's consciousness and kept the Palestinian diaspora unified even at the moral price of backing terror. He wrote that 50 years ago. But it's almost exactly the same argument used by the Hamas leaders who spoke to the New York Times this week, telling the Western public that without their attack on Israel, with all its horrible atrocities, that the Palestinian cause would have been forgotten, left behind in the progress of the Abraham Accords, the excitement and normalization deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel. It's worth asking whether the Palestinians could have done something else in those 50 years to advance their cause beyond killing Israeli civilians, or whether violence against Israelis is the Palestinian cause and how it came to be that way. After all, you never see pro-Palestinian activists doing much to help Palestine between wars. And this time, they started marching after the terror attack, not the Israeli response. And by the way, that's been pretty much covered up by the media. The Palestinians were celebrating the atrocities. It's easier to destroy than create, writes Pollock. Let's rewind to the beginning. Israel is the spiritual homeland of the Jewish people and has been for many thousands of years. Jews have lived there continuously for millennia. And even during periods of exile and dispersion, they still face Jerusalem during prayer as Jews still do today. The idea of creating a Jewish state emerged in the late 19th century as a response to persecution in Europe. And Jews began moving back. A generation or so later, in the early 20th century, Arabs living in the region began to feel their own national stirrings. And the Palestinian Arabs were no different, though initially they wanted to be part of a broader Arab empire, not a separate state. When the British took over from the Ottoman Empire after the First World War, with a mandate from the League of Nations, they struggled to reconcile promises to both sides. The dilemma was difficult to solve, but dividing the land seemed the least bad option. This was acceptable to the Jewish side, which simply wanted sovereignty of any kind, especially with the growing danger to Jews in Europe. But the Arabs, who were only known as Palestinians much later, self-identified, by the way, clung to the idea that there could be no Jewish state at all, and not even any Jewish immigration, not even refugees from the Nazis. Now, I've talked about this before. The man most responsible for this intransigence was named Haj. Amin al-Husseini. The British sought to appease him by appointing him Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, 
And he abused that position to foment riots against Jews, most notoriously in the Hebron massacre in 1929, which most of you have never heard of before. 1929, Hebron. You've heard of the town of Hebron? Of course you have. Hebron was a Jewish town. Now there's about 85 Jewish families there, and that's it, because in 1929, many of them were slaughtered without provocation because they were Jews. The British tried to keep the Arabs on side in the Second World War by banning Jewish immigration. But Al-Husani sided with Hitler and the Nazis anyway. There's never really been a reckoning with this history. The Palestinian Arab leadership collaborated with Hitler and made sure, through pressure on the British, that Jews had nowhere to escape to. After the war, the Germans were denazified through public acknowledgement of Hitler's crimes. But that never happened to the Arab world, which still incubated Nazi anti-Semitism along with radical Islamic sentiments. They were never denazified. In 1947, the newly formed UN tried to tackle the same problem that had vexed the British and came up with the same answer. Partition into a Jewish state and an Arab state. But the Arabs decided to destroy the Jewish state rather than build their own and declared war. They lost. And the same pattern has repeated itself for decades. The Palestinians have always rejected statehood in favor of violence. Always. Up to 2000, it was possible to believe that some Palestinian grievance justified the rejection. But when then-President Bill Clinton offered Arafat nearly all of Judea and Samaria, a.k.a. the West Bank, and shared sovereignty over Jerusalem's holy sites and possible compensation for Palestinian refugees, Arafat walked away. They would have gotten 97% of Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank. And they would have had their own capital in part of Jerusalem, among other things. And they walked away, and I say thank God they did. For the last 23 years, Israelis have been looking for a workable alternative to solve the problem. From building a barrier along the West Bank to unilateral withdrawal from Gaza, to making peace with the other Arab states in the hope that the Palestinians could eventually be persuaded to set war aside. Yet their leadership had other ideas, boosted by Iran, which continued to fund and arm terror groups. 2001, at the UN World Conference Against Racism, which was held in Durban, South Africa, global anti-Israel activists seized on the idea of casting Israel as the new apartheid state which, like South Africa, had to be dismantled. It was an idea without merit, but the symbolism appealed to Western leftists, and you hear them use it all the time. Joel writes, I happened to be at the World Conference Against Racism, which ironically saw a shocking outbreak of anti-Jewish hatred. Anti-Israel activists literally broke up a meeting to discuss anti-Semitism, which had nothing to do with Israel. The same impulse persists in the efforts of anti-Israel activists to tear down posters of Israeli hostages. There can be no acknowledgement of Jewish victimhood, which is part of Israel's reason for being. But ask these activists what they have actually done to help Palestine, so-called Palestine, and you'll find no answers. They've not invested in economic development. They've not donated to Palestinian schools. A few may have donated to Palestinian relief efforts, 
but none has given thought to building Palestinian institutions. The one question that unravels them every time is, what kind of Palestinian state do you want? They have no idea. They just want, quote, free Palestine, unquote, and from the river to the sea, quote, unquote, which the president of Harvard admitted this week was an anti-Semitic slogan and a vision of destruction of Israel and the genocide of its Jews. Hamas leader Ishmael Hanayah recently urged followers to imagine a post-Israel Palestine, he said. He wants an Islamic state, the likely outcome Gaza, a complete wreck, a constant threat to its neighbors. The world has heard Palestinian excuses for terrorism for half a century. The difference now is that those same excuses come from Ishmael Anaya rather than Edward Said, both from comfortable exile. The only portion of the Palestinian Arab population that has moved beyond this are the Israeli Arab citizens who are deciding in the face of Hamas terror that they would rather be Israeli than Palestinian. Their free Palestine, quote-unquote, is Israel. There's talk about what to do with a post-Hamas Gaza. The White House wants it run by the Palestinian Authority, which has never worked. Joel says, my preference would be to pay Gazans to relocate to the West Bank and annex Gaza to Israel, solving the problem of Palestinian geographic continuity. I don't agree with that either, but that's okay. What do the Palestinians themselves want? We don't know. They don't either. It's easier to destroy than to create, but no more Israel is not an acceptable answer. And here's the problem. Give them, quote-unquote, parts of Judea and Samaria. Keep the Gaza Strip, as I was explaining last night. It's not about a state. That's a complete fabrication. It's a lie. This is a caliphate. That's what they want. Iran's not about a state. The Islamo-Nazis have a state. They want Lebanon. That's why they have Hezbollah. They want Israel destroyed. They're destroying Yemen. And they're destroying other countries. And they want to destroy more. They're not interested in boundaries. Terrorism is boundless. That's the whole point. And this is what they want. A caliphate. And Blinken tonight and we'll get to this in a little while, in India, too many Palestinian citizens are being killed. By whom? He never goes beyond that. Who's killing them? We have constant reports that the Hamas Nazi terrorists are slaughtering the civilians to try and make it look like Israel is and to prevent them from leaving. I posted another one a couple hours ago. Blinken sees this, but he's never specific. Who's killing whom when it comes to the civilians? Who's trying to protect them? Who's putting them in hospitals? Who's putting them in mosques? Who's putting them in the schools to be targeted, along with Hamas Nazi terrorists? It's just incredible. So when they put out these statistics, which they can't really back up, obviously people are dying, but their statistics are utterly meaningless. They're coming from Hamas. Why don't they break them down? Why don't they show any interest in breaking them down? Why don't they even provide a footnote saying, 
We don't know how many were killed by Hamas, but we know many were. Unbelievable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals. I noticed Bernie Sanders and other Marxists, they spend trillions and trillions of dollars. They don't object that Iran's getting a billion and a half dollars because Biden won't enforce the sanctions that Trump put in place. But they're worried about the 3.4 or so billion dollars that Israel receives each year. So I thought it was actually worth talking about this very briefly. Nearly all the military aid to Israel consists of credits. Not actual money in hand, credits. That go directly from the Pentagon to U.S. weapons manufacturers. So Israel has an account The money doesn't go through the government. The Pentagon purchases weapons. American weapons manufacturers make those weapons. To the extent they're in our country, these these companies, and most are, American jobs are created. So it's not just some gift to Israel of three point some odd billion dollars. And... It's the biggest bang for the buck the United States has with any ally or in foreign policy altogether. What am I talking about? Israel is used to project American power in the Middle East. Israel. Israel provides intelligence to the United States about the actions of our enemies and our adversaries. Israel is our eyes and ears in a crucially important part of the world where so much oil exists. And the Israeli people and their military are the front line to protecting the Western world from the terrorists, terrorist Arab states, terrorist Iranian uh, Iranian regime, It's an ally that gives more than it gets. 
We don't get much from France or Germany. We don't get much from our so-called Arab allies. get nothing. Israel's are a tiny little country with a minuscule population. Then they carry the weight of the free world on their shoulders. Just being honest about this. And in receiving that money, not directly from the Pentagon to American military manufacturers, the United States believes its role is to interfere in Israel's domestic politics, Israel's foreign policy, Israel's decisions, even minute decisions, about how it chooses to defend itself and conduct battle. So, from the perspective of a Biden and a Blinken and a Bernie Sanders and their ilk, Israel is bought and paid for. While $70 billion pours into Iran, billions pour into the Palestinian territories and Gaza. This administration and the Democrat Party and then the media believe they now have the power without any other countries treated this way, no other countries treated this way by the United States. It's constantly meddling in their internal affairs. They don't want Netanyahu. So Soros and others with dark money try and fund a coup d'etat and a civil war against Israel before the October 7 attacks. The left and the Democrats in our country, just read Thomas Friedman. He is a poster boy for these types of people. It's outrageous. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, uh, back several months ago, but still the beginning of this year, the Media Research Center did a fantastic study. That is a fantastic organization led by a fantastic man, Brent Bozell. I can't say enough good things about those folks. And the title is George Soros tied to at least 54 influential media figures through groups funded by liberal, the liberal billionaire says this study. Now, I've been urging the House Republicans to begin to look into George Soros and what he's done to this country, what he's doing to this country, these front groups that he has. He's used over $30 billion in his Open Society Foundation. We don't have 
billionaires on the conservative side who conduct themselves this way. I wish we did, but we don't. They won't even cough up $1 billion, let alone $30 billion. And um, I want you to listen to this story. Liberal billionaire, I would argue Marxist billionaire, George Soros is tied to some of the most influential media figures in the United States and abroad through cash he provides to groups affiliated with him, according to a new study conducted by MRC Business. The over $32 billion George Soros poured into his organizations to spread his radical open society agenda on abortion. Marxist economics, anti-Americanism, defunding the police, environmental extremism, and LGBT fanaticism around the globe has paid dividends. MRC analysts Joseph Vazquez and Daniel Schneider wrote, in fact, his funding, his funding has helped him establish ties with some of the biggest name media personalities in the United States. Remember, he's also... Uh, the uh, Svengali behind the front group, Media Matters. And if you go to their website, you'll see it's nonstop lies, cherry-picking, attacking, trying to destroy Fox and Rumble, individual hosts, talk radio. It really is a bleeding hemorrhoid on the body politic. In fact, his funding has helped him establish, as I said, ties with some of the biggest name media personalities in the United States and abroad, which help indoctrinate millions with his views on a day-to-day basis. MRC Business found at least 54 prominent media figures who are tied to Soros through their connections to organizations that he funds. These include personalities like NBC Nightly News anchor Lester Holt, the Washington Post executive editor Sally Busby, MRC Business, let's see here, MRC Business, part of the Conservative Media Research Center, unveiled, this is as reported by Fox, unveiled the final report of a three-part series exploring the extent of Soros' influence over the international media. The study previously revealed he shelled out at least $131 million between 2016 and 2020 to influence 253 media groups. Quote, this network of media ties allows Soros to hold sizable influence over the stories the media cover, how they cover those stories, and what stories they don't cover, said the MRC. The study found at least 54 media figures linked to Soros Cash, with Bloomberg News co-founder Matthew Winkler and CNN's Christiane Amanpour also among them. They said the others encompass reporters, anchors, columnists, editors, news executives, and journalists linked to organizations like ABC, CBS, NPR, Bloomberg News, Reuters, New York Times, and a host of additional outlets. Many of the media figures are tied to Soros through the Committee to Protect Journalists. They always come up with these cool names, don't they? Which received $2.7 million from Soros-backed groups. Winkler, Holt, Busby, Amanpour are among the CPJ's board members. The MRC found examples of several CPJ board members defending Soros and their news coverage, both subtly and aggressively. Not all the media heavyweights tied to Soros's cash are in the front of the camera. NBC Universal News Group Chairman Cesar Conde, who runs NBC News, MSNBC, and CNBC, is also tied to Soros cash through the Aspen Institute 
which awarded the NBC chief its Henry Crown Fellowship. Soros Groups gave more than $1.1 million to the Aspen Institute between 2016 and 2020, according to the study. Journalists and news industry executives with roles at the Marshall Project and ProPubica also are tied to Soros's deep pockets as both groups receive more than $1.2 million from the far-left billionaire from 2016 through 2020. National Pubic Radio and PolitiFact are also at least partially funded by Soros-backed groups. According to the study, it goes on. It's quite extensive, very informative, very informative. And this is why I, I don't, I don't know how many more times I can urge this. This man, his open society, Media Matters, all these front groups, including the ones that are pushing and funding the violence in our streets and the hate in our streets, they need to be looked at. Why is he the only billionaire they won't look at? Now, they set the precedent with Trump, looking at the businesses, looking at the tax records, looking at the organizations tied to them, calling his son Alex, go over media matters, do all these things that need to be done. Don't be afraid of the press. Press can't hurt you any more than they are. Stop being weaklings. In my view, I have a question for you, America. Here's a headline from Washington Free Beacon, another great site. The Biden administration is not sanctioning Hamas for use of human shields, drawing bipartisan ire. They're not doing what? What is it about terrorists and terrorist regimes in the Biden regime? Do they seem like they really want to destroy terrorism in the Middle East? Do they seem like they really want to destroy Hamas? Do they seem like they really want to destroy Iran or Hezbollah? Or do they want them to survive? Adam Credo, iconic reporter over there, the Biden administration is not enforcing U.S. sanctions on Hamas's use of human shields drawing bipartisan concerns in Congress as the Iran-backed terror group uses civilians to shield itself from Israeli military attacks. So here we have Blinken. You have that audio of Blinken today, Mr. Producer? Let's play that audio. Go ahead. We appreciate the fact that uh, yesterday Israel announced um, four-hour pauses uh, with a three-hour notice in specific areas, as well as two humanitarian corridors that will allow people uh, to move uh, more safely and freely to get out of harm's way and also to access assistance. These steps will um, will save lives and will enable more assistance to get to Palestinians in need. Mm -hmm. At the same time, much more needs to be done uh, to protect civilians and uh, to make sure that humanitarian assistance reaches them. Far too many Palestinians have been killed. Far, Far too, too many, many have Palestinians suffered. Have, that's it. Far too many Palestinians have been killed. By whom? How many have been killed by Palestinians? Hamas. While I'm at it, how many Arabs, Muslims, have been killed today in Iran? Anybody know? How about in Yemen? Anybody know? Anybody know? How about Iraq? Anybody know? How about Turkey? How many Muslims have been slaughtered in Turkey? Anybody know? How many have been slaughtered in China? Anyone know? 
Why is it now that this guy's concerned about Palestinian lives? Has he ever shown any interest in Palestinian lives before? If so, send me the clips. Send me the clips. From earlier this year. From earlier in the summer this year. Send me the clips. We've got Islamophobia breaking out, as I say over and over again, all through the Middle East, all through communist China, all through fascistic Russia. Not in the United States. That's a lie. But he says he's concerned. Too many Palestinians' lives have been lost. And this guy, the Secretary of State, they won't even enforce sanctions on Hamas for using Palestinians as human shields. He's not even doing the basics, the minimum, to call out and to address what Hamas is doing. Not even the minimum. He sits there and he speaks and he gives lectures. The Israelis have to do this. The Israelis have to do that. How about you, you jerk? What are you going to do? You've done enough, really, but what are you going to do about this? The Biden administration is not enforcing U.S. sanctions on Hamas's use of human shields, drawing bipartisan concerns in Congress. Well, why isn't it? As Israel's war on Hamas enters its second month, it has become increasingly clear. The terror group is placing civilians in harm's way in order to maximize casualties in violation of a U.S. law barring the use of human shields. Hello, yellow. There still have been no sanctions imposed pursuant to this law by the Biden administration. According to a bipartisan group of 22 congressmen, the group urges the administration to, quote, prioritize the swift imposition and enforcement of all appropriate sanctions on Hamas for its ongoing use of human shields in a letter sent to the State Department. That would be you, you jerk, and Treasury Department Wednesday. So... Anthony Blinken is not even taking minor steps to deal with Hamas killing citizens in the Gaza Strip. The letter comes on the heels of a bipartisan bill meant to strengthen and expand U.S. sanctions on any terror group that employs human shields in combat. The legislative effort days after Hamas butchered more than 1,400 Israeli citizens, is aimed at increasing pressure on the Biden administration to fully enforce sanctions on Hamas and its Iranian-backed ally Hezbollah in Lebanon. Why do we need to pressure Biden and Blinken to put pressure on Hamas and Iran? By triggering a United States law. There's something about this guy. He's a real scuzzball. The way he talks, the sanctimony. Doesn't he come across sanctimonious to you, Mr. Producer? And he has no passion. Shut up, you idiot. So why won't they? Why won't they enforce sanctions Hamas? Hamas is a terror group. We've named them that long before Biden was in the White House. Why don't they do that? Hey, Jake Tapper, will you ask Blinken the next time he's on your program? 
rather than being a suck up? How about you, Andrea Mitchell? What are you going to ask? The rest of the corrupt, immoral media in our country. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans start at just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. Just a reminder, America, Tuesday, November 14th, there's going to be a fantastic national meeting of Jews and Christians and others who've had enough. And they want their fellow Americans and they want the whole world to see That we red-blooded Americans, we stand up for our country, we stand up for our ally Israel, and we stand up against the anti-Semitism that is spreading through our colleges and universities, our media, and other aspects of our culture. Please join your fellow patriots. It's called the March for Israel. But to me, it's also the march for America and basic humanity. It is Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, and Americans from all walks of life will be joining, will be joining in Washington, D.C., on the National Mall. And it's called the March for Israel, as I said. It's going to take place from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I encourage you to come early because hopefully the crowd is massive. No charges, obviously. It's free. It's open. The gates open at 10 a.m. Eastern, I'm told. Gates? Seems kind of strange at the National Mall, but I guess that's what the Park Service is doing. I'm hoping by numbers alone we will overwhelm Overwhelm the Islamicists, the Hamas-supporting media, the Hamas-supporting universities, the Hamas-supporting students, the Hamas funding network, and all the rest of them with our numbers. With our numbers. It'll be peaceful. It'll be civil. It's people gathering peacefully and civilly to say to fellow Americans in the entire world, wait a minute. These people 
these Islamists, these people preaching the extermination of the Jews, these people who also hate us here in America, we Americans, they don't stand for us. They don't speak for us. I'll tell you something. I'm in Florida. And as I was going to a small town not too far from where we live, a small town called Stewart, Florida. It's a lovely place. I love it. And I had forgotten, but I was reminded that there's an air show going on today and tomorrow at the airport there. And there's an F-16. I even think they pulled out an F-35. And let me tell you something. They are loud as can be. You hear them coming on you, and they come on you fast. They're loud as can be. And I want you to know something. I pulled my car over. I felt so damn patriotic. So damn proud. Those are our pilots. Those are our jets. And they're breaking the speed of sound or whatever they're doing up there. You can hear them. You can hear them miles away. And I called my wife. I put the phone on speaker. I said, listen to this. And we called our daughter, called our son. Said, listen to this. It was so loud they couldn't hear me. I am telling you that I got shivers from it, shivers of pride. That's what I'm hoping happens on Tuesday, this Tuesday, where there's so many people, so many people who care about other people that they can't even count the number. I'll be right back. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans start at just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Hello there, America. By the way, I want to remind you. But I'd like to remind you the weekend's coming. Everybody looks forward to the weekend, don't they? Almost everybody. Saturday nights, great. Sunday nights are a little depressing because Monday's coming except for one thing. Saturday night, Sunday night, Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, yours truly. We never stop here. I never stop. We have two fantastic shows. 
the Saturday night show, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central. I don't know all the rest of the times. On Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox, I'm going to eviscerate the media in ways you've never heard or seen before. And we also have two fantastic guests. Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We start the program with the former ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer. Now, Ron Dermer is extremely unique in the sense that he was born in the United States, the Miami area, and grew up in the United States. Uh, His mother, I believe, was Israeli. He's absolutely brilliant, speaks perfect English, of course, and is the closest confidant to the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. So we're going to have a wonderful discussion with him as well. But it doesn't really matter who, does it? You know the way I interview, the subject matter is very, very important. No hit and run stuff, no superficial stuff. And I'm told people talk about it the next day, and that's a good thing. And that's why I do it, otherwise... What's the point of my even doing it? To be honest with you, Fox offered me the Sunday show. I wasn't lobbying for it. But it was very kind of them. Suzanne Scott is fantastic, the CEO over there. It's the one time I've met Rupert Murdoch. The guy's absolutely a genius. And very, very nice. And some of the other uh, execs over there. And... uh, And that's what started Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And because we were the highest rated program on Sunday primetime, they moved it up to eight. Then about a half a year ago, I was asked if I would do a Saturday show like the Sunday show. And I said, no, I'd rather not. And my wife didn't want me to do it either. Why? Because we have no time. But the people at Fox really are fantastic. And Suzanne has always been outstanding. And uh, three months, two months, three months, three and a half months, I, I, I succumb. Uh, <laughs> and my poor wife wished I had not. So there you are. Saturdays and Sundays. If you're interested. Look, I can't do this forever. I'm not getting younger. So I hope you'll... Uh, You'll participate. All you got to do is watch. If you can't watch live, I get it. But why not set your DVR for all time rather than every week? But why don't you set your DVR starting now for 8 p.m. Eastern time, whatever time is is in your location, on Saturday and 8 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. That way you'll have it if you want to watch it. If you don't, who cares, right? So I want to encourage you to do that. And we have two great programs this weekend. Great programs. You know, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Don't you love Thanksgiving, Mr. Producer? You know why I love Thanksgiving? Because everybody else wants to cook. Everybody's in the kitchen. We're at my wonderful mother-in-law's home in New Jersey. Everybody's in there. I'll cook it now. I'll cook this. I'll cook that. Everyone's getting along. And I sneak away. Till my wife figures out that I'm upstairs reading or watching TV. Come down. You need to socialize with people. Oh, okay. But seriously, it's a wonderful, wonderful time. I don't have to cook. I just eat. 
And everybody's having a good time. So we don't have left-wing kooks at Thanksgiving. Why ruin Thanksgiving? Our family is solid. From the front to the back. Beginning to the end. Bottom up, middle out. Anyway, I look forward to it. Now, Thanksgiving is two weeks away. And by the way, Hanukkah is in the first week of December. So if you're thinking of getting the Democrat Party hates America, I don't know what people are waiting for if you're thinking of getting it. Well, Hanukkah's a couple of weeks away. Christmas is like 43, 44, 45 days away. So they're here before you know it. So you should grab, you know, what gifts you want to give now. And Thanksgiving, let me tell you, the Democrat Party hates America is a perfect gift to a host. It's perfect to talk about at the dinner table. Exclusive. World-renowned expert on urban combat. Hamas creating civilian deaths to stir world against IDF. It's not just Hamas, it's our Secretary of State who keeps stirring the world against Netanyahu. Let me tell you a little dirty secret here. You see it popping up here and there by the radical left-wing Marxist-hating groups on the left in the United States and Israel. And they're already gunning for Netanyahu. As a matter of fact, let me see here if I can find it. Before I get to the rest of these things, let me see here. Well, I don't know where the hell I put it. But I'll look for it during the break. Ehud Barak is a former prime minister. Enormously unpopular. Enormously unpopular. Why? He's the one that was prepared to give 97% of Judea and Samira, a.k.a. the West Bank, to the Palestinians and a huge part of Jerusalem so they could have their own capital. And reparations. Thank God Arafat said no. No, no, we want everything. He was humiliated. The Israeli people turned on him. He and his rotten, no-good party and coalition were voted out of office. So, he's been gunning for Netanyahu ever since. Ever since he's been gunning for Netanyahu. For the last year or so after Netanyahu was re-elected and he put together this coalition... They've been character assassinating Netanyahu in this coalition. The most right-wing government ever. Used to say that about Menachem Begin, too, by the way. Now, in Israel, right-wing would be rhino in the United States. Rhino in the United States. It's not right-wing. What they're, what they're really doing is smearing people of faith, very religious people, Orthodox Jews. Because the secularist Jews there hate the Orthodox Jews. Very much like in our own country. You don't have many Orthodox Jews practicing Orthodox Jews with the yarmulkes and the rest in the media in America. Do you, Mr. Producer? I don't see any. But you'll see a lot of secularists. And by the way, secular Christians, secular this. But you'll see a lot of secular Jews, too. And so they come in a worldview from very different perspectives. I'm just telling you the truth. Very different perspectives. And so what's happened in Israel, just like in the United States, sort of their Marxist left, 
They're secularist left. They're self-hating left, just as we have leftists in America who hate America. Well, believe it or not, there's leftists in Israel who hate Israel. And they hate democracy. They want an all-powerful court system, which they have there, more powerful than any other Western country. Where the Supreme Court calls the shots on everything. You don't even have to have standing. They can pick and choose whatever they want to hear. They issue a ruling, and they regularly overrule the Knesset, their parliament, our Congress. They don't have any authority to do it. They just do it. So Netanyahu says, you know, we have to address this in a modest way, but these justices, they appoint each other. Do you know they appoint themselves effectively? Uh, We have elections, but they don't seem to matter. We fight it out. We fight over the coalitions. You've seen them do it. And then we have uh, three or four of these justices. They just decide. They even make decisions about how they're going to fight wars. Everything. So just like in our country with the propagandists, they paint Netanyahu as a dictator because Netanyahu wants more democracy. And it's not republicanism there. It's actual democracy. So the guy who wants to take a little bite out of the judicial oligarchy, he's the fascist, you see. But this is typical with a ruling class of elites. They don't like the fact that Likud and their allies win these elections. The Israeli people do not elect leftists anymore. They don't elect people from the Labor Party anymore. I don't know what they're going to do in the future after all this, but that's the case. And Ehud Barak disgraced himself. And when he was cutting that deal, or trying to with Arafat and Clinton, he had absolutely no mandate to do any of it. So, but for Arafat, who doesn't want any, who didn't want any Israeli uh, country whatsoever, can you imagine? So Ehud Barak has been leading this effort into a My embarrassment, even some people at Fox have had this guy on. And they don't know anything about him. It's important to know. But the New York Times pushes him. MSNBC pushes him. Left-wingers as guests push him. Because they hate Netanyahu. And by the way, they hated Menachem Begin, too. They hated Shimon. Uh, Forget it. Anyway, so... Ehud Barak, with the help of Soros with the help of dark money from America and all over the world, has tried to lead a coup against Netanyahu, urged IDF and Mossad not to follow orders that would be given by the prime minister or his cabinet members, went overseas, came to the United States, Lapid too, went to Europe, urging them to help them undermine the Netanyahu government. All this was leading up to October 7th. But you're not allowed to say it, so I say it. So I say it. This guy is horrendous. He's even compared Netanyahu to Hitler. It's incredible. So they had this going on, this effort to undermine their own society and election. By the minority parties, the left-wing parties, and Ehud Barak, leading right up to October 7th. Maybe that had something to do with what took place is the nation's fighting among itself, just like here in the United States, as the Chinese are on the move. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day, but they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause. And you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, unlimited text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and make the switch. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for our veterans, get the best service at the best price as well. Visit puretalk.com slash Levin, puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and switch to Pure Talk today in less than 10 minutes. It's the right move, and it's the American way. Well, Vichy France has uh, it jumped in that, of course, Israel has a right to defend itself, but it needs to stop bombing in Gaza. Is this how the French fights wars? Yes, it is. That's why we had to come to their rescue during World War II. And I'm going to get into this in the next hour. And, of course, Macron is trying to organize the rest of the European leaders against Israel. Of course, you have a right to defend yourselves. You just don't have a right to defend yourselves. That's what? That's right. Pretty sick. But as I say, I'll get to it. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, It's the last hour of the week, which might make it the most important hour of the week, actually. We keep our foot on the gas pedal, as you know. Uh, My buddy Brian over at Right Scoop sent me this. Just in, French President Macron comes out against Israel. French President Macron came out against Israel today, accusing Israel of killing civilians and calling for a ceasefire. Sounds like Cori Bush. Is Cory Bush now the uh, 
the leader, the president of France. So now Vichy France is back, ladies and gentlemen. Vichy France. Here's what he said via Reuters. Israel must stop bombing Gaza and killing civilians. French President Macron told the BBC in an interview published late on Friday. Of course, the BBC will love that because they're filled with anti-Semites. So there's Macron, a mouthpiece for Hamas. A complete sucker. De facto, today civilians are bombed de facto. He says, these babies, these ladies, these old people are bombed and killed. So there's no reason for that. No legitimacy. So we do urge Israel to stop. I thought he was talking about what the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran is doing to its own people. In the larger BBC interview, Macron condemns Hamas and claims he supports Israel's right to defend itself. Sure. Sure he does. But he also says he hopes other leaders will join him in pressuring Israel to issue a ceasefire in Gaza. You don't see this anywhere else in the world. Pressuring Iran. They're pressuring the wrong side here. Didn't he kiss G's ass? He sure did. He slobbered all over G when he saw G. He said, hey, look, eh, eh. anyway, so he says, you know, I don't have to go the way of the United States and NATO. I think G's pretty cool. Typical French president. I'm just saying. Israel must stop killing babies and women in Gaza, French President Macron told the BBC in an exclusive interview. He said there was no justification for the bombing, saying a ceasefire would benefit Israel. Oh, yeah, that's right. Take military advice from the French. While recognizing Israel's right to protect itself, we do urge them to stop this bombing. But he also stressed that France clearly condemns the terrorist actions of Hamas. Is this guy schizophrenic? Well, that's nice. He condemned the terrorist actions of Hamas. I wonder, on the scale of the population in France, if tens of thousands of French women were raped and babies were beheaded and families were mutilated, I wonder if Macron would take this position. When the Muslims in France uh, start to organize and get a little violent and protest and everything, he puts them down fast. France, like Israel, the U.S., the U.K., and other Western nations, considers Hamas a terrorist group. Oh, thank you, BBC. When asked if he wanted other leaders, including the U.S. and U.K., to join his calls for a ceasefire, replied, I hope they will. Netanyahu responded quickly to Macron's comments, saying nations should condemn Hamas, not Israel. While Israel is doing everything to refrain from harming civilians and calling on them to leave areas of fighting, Hamas, ISIS, is doing everything to prevent them from leaving for safe areas and is using them as human shields. This is Netanyahu. The crimes being committed today by Hamas, ISIS in Gaza will be committed tomorrow in Paris, New York, and all over the world. Yep. So Macron, as Right Scoop points out, is clearly falling for the Palestinian lies about what's going on in Gaza. I'm sure they're lying about the death toll, he writes, flating it with the number of Hamas that Israel is annihilating, and that's true too. Macron. 
There he is with his friends at the BBC. Figures. Really kind of disgusting. I want to play something for you from Alan Dershowitz. As I've told you, whether some of you like it or not, I've come to really admire and appreciate Alan Dershowitz. You don't get many Democrats like Alan Dershowitz. You know, he says he's a Democrat. Between us, he certainly certainly fools me these days. When Obama came out, he accused Israel of being an occupying force, did his moral equivalency, and I've told you Obama, in my view, has always been an anti-Semite from his days with Khalidi, a Palestinian tied with Hamas, and other radical left-wing Marxist groups, and his conduct as a President of the United States towards Netanyahu, towards Israel, embracing Iran and all the rest. Those are all the telltale signs. And I'll continue to say, look what he said. Look at his statement. He got to call out people. He can't be afraid of what the Hamas-loving media have to say, the Soros-loving media have to say. You got to speak out. I want you to listen to this from Alan Dershowitz. Go. No. You can't make those kinds of comparisons, Barack Obama. And I have to tell you, what you did is just despicable. It's beneath contempt. And um, and whatever respect I had for you, I have absolutely lost. Fortunately, so have many other Americans uh, lost respect for you. And I'm hoping that you have no influence on the current administration, future Democratic administrations, and that your lack of morality ends up in the, in the dustbin of history where, where it belongs. And so I'm ashamed that I was your friend. I'm ashamed that I invited you to my birthday party. I'm ashamed that I accepted your invitation to the Oval Office. And I'm ashamed that I allowed you to fool me into thinking that you actually uh, supported Israel. You do not. Nobody who has any love for Israel in their heart would ever make the kind of obscene, obnoxious comparison you made between murder, rape, kidnapping, burning of, of, of civilians, and, and a disputed occupation that could have ended over and over again if the Palestinians had only uh, accepted the deals offered by President Clinton and by others in the American administration, not by you. You didn't do anything to help with these processes, but Clinton did, and, and Trump did, and, and others did, but not you. Um, all you did was condemn Israel. Don't count on me and my support. Um, uh, you, you have been an enemy of justice, an enemy to Israel, an enemy to the Jewish people, and an enemy to decency. I'm embarrassed that I ever voted as highly as you as I obviously did. I was fooled by you. I'll never be fooled again. And don't be fooled by Biden and Blinken either. Don't be fooled by them either. I found the peace. The Middle East Monitor. This is from July of this year, just a few months ago. Listen to this. You're the most informed audience on the face of the earth. And you have the, I I don't know what it is. You have the interest, you have the motivation to stick with me like this. I, I am so proud of you. I'm so honored. Israeli Transport Minister Mary Regev has asked Attorney General Gail Barab Mera, she's a radical lefty, to open an investigation into former Prime Minister Echad Barach and Forum 555, Forum 555, for inciting a coup d'etat, the Jewish news syndicate reported JNS. Citing a video circulating on social media, she claimed it shows without any shadow of a doubt that beginning in March 2020, 
Former officials began concocting a plan for a coup d'etat and civil disobedience with detailed and careful planning. Referring to the massive pro-democracy protests, which were really pro-judicial oligarchy protests, she said, we've been seeing the attempt to implement it in recent days. This is late July. She said the plan included falsely presenting a danger to democracy with funding and investment totaling millions of shekels, leading to the point of no return, a civil war, as Barack. Barack is the radical leftist who destroyed democracy in Israel and is the top judicial oligarch, even though he's retired. Robert Bork and others in our own country have said this guy, of course, they didn't say it the way I'm going, is a kook, a power-hungry kook. As Barack begs the opponents of, so- of judicial reform to create clashes with police, so they're pushing for clashes with police. They're urging the IDF not to listen to their commander-in-chief, that is, the prime minister and his cabinet. They're urging Mossad to turn their backs on the government. They were urging IDF pilots not to fly. And this is all the lead-up to October 7th. Why weren't we ready? How did we miss this? I don't know. Ask Ehud Barak. This comes days after public diplomacy minister, tweeted on Friday that her claim that Barak planned to bring down the government. She referred to an interview with Barak from 2020 to form 555, a group of retired Israel Air Force pilots and navigators accusing Barack of deliberately inflaming the civilian population, creating a false representation of a danger to democracy and bankrolling protests, including purchasing flags. In the interview, Barack detailed his master plan for creating civil unrest. This is uh, the former prime minister, Echel Barack. For creating civil unrest in a future coalition, she said. Barack in a Twitter post published claimed the video interview being shared was incomplete and said it hadn't revealed any new information. Well, then it was complete. She noted that a former pilot and founder of Forum 555 told Channel 14 this week that, quote, indeed, the coup d'etat has been planned for a number of years together with Echad Barak, and it is not connected to any political or legislative event. So the left in Israel, led by Echad Barak, has been plotting and planning a coup against Netanyahu and his government, or his would-be government, and worse, a civil war, and worse, demanding that the IDF pilots, IDF infantry, and Mossad not comply with any orders. And so that's why you're seeing this information that's coming out now in the Hamas-supporting American media being planted by and his people against Netanyahu. This is why you hear it even on cable with the usual Democrat leftists about Netanyahu. They take no responsibility for what they supported. A nation distracted, a nation at war with itself, is a prime target of an enemy, just like we are. Just like we are. With the same elements... The same Marxist left, the same kind of corrupt, propagandistic media. So a country takes its eye off the ball because the country's splintering, literally.
She added, we cannot ignore these things at a time when we see the plan concocted years ago becoming reality and chaos reigning in the streets. Therefore, I demand that a criminal investigation against Ahab Barak and members of the 555 organization be immediately opened and that they be brought to justice for the forbidden acts that they have committed. So this is on July. Let me get the date. July 26. Two and a half months before the October 7th attack. And Ehud Barak comes to the United States. He goes to Europe. And he's all over in the middle of a war. In the middle of, of Israel defending itself. It's soldiers out there. It's pilots out there and so forth. Calling for the resignation of Barak. Excuse me, of uh, Netanyahu. The resignation of Netanyahu. Demanding probes, demanding this, demanding that. You know, all that'll come. You got to win the war. But that's the Marxist left in Israel, led by Echelach, and the Marxist left in America. It's the way they were all. Country last, their power first. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Veterans Day is tomorrow. Tomorrow is Saturday. So first, I want to thank all you vets out there. We are enormously thankful for you, grateful for you, and proud of you. Thank you. And we thank our vets, our military, every day on this program. But I will note that it was a federal holiday today since Veterans Day officially falls on Saturday. So the Veterans Administration really wasn't functioning today because the bureaucrats got a federal holiday. Even though Veterans Day falls on Saturday. Well, we certainly aren't going to inconvenience the bureaucrats. The paid federal holiday. How many do we have now? 712? I don't know. So we honor our vets by the bureaucrats taking the day off. And notice the government shutdown stuff. The irony, all over the radio and TV today, the press is talking about a coming or potential government shutdown, when today the government was effectively shut down and nobody noticed. So the Republicans might want to call it a federal holiday. So, you know, people can get re-energized, get to know their families again, maybe take a trip or two or three. The bureaucrats, I mean. Because I've told you before, Paul Ryan told me years and years ago when he headed, I think, the, uh, the tax committee, that when the government shuts down, actually 17% of the government shuts down. 83% of it remains open, but they're going to make you feel that 17%. And the media in Washington, D.C., and the bureaucrats and the politicians in Washington, D.C., Reagan used to call it the Iron Triangle, the Iron Triangle. They'll want you to suffer so they can keep spending us into oblivion and destroy our currency, destroy our finances, and empower themselves. 
we've had over 20 government shutdowns, so-called. And we're still here, and they're still spending, and there's still inflation, and the debt keeps going through the roof. And what the media never tell you, and what I always tell you is, the government shuts down, but the tax revenue keeps flowing in. Corporate taxes, death taxes, income taxes, to the tune of around $400 billion a month. It does, yes. So what the Democrats and Biden and the media are always up to, they don't want to cut the budget. It's not enough. So this year, the deficit is $2 trillion. And the interest on the debt, in a year or two, maybe three, but I think a year or two, is going to be larger than the entire defense budget. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? But they won't stop. And the media won't stop. Why? Because they're all a-holes, that's why. We have 70-some Republicans that voted for a new FBI building. Despite the debt, despite the deficit, their priorities, a new FBI building. Let me ask you, America, is a new FBI building going to help you? Or is it what goes on in the FBI building that's the problem? 70 Republicans, all rhinos. They look at the debt, they look at the deficit, and they vote to build a brand new massive FBI building. Mark Levin, the funder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, it's amazing. Something was said the other day that the media have all but ignored. And it is a horrendously racist comment about blacks. But because it was said by a Democrat, it's ignored by Media Matters and Mediocreite, the Daily Bestiality, the Huffington Compost, the Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, all of them. By Philly Bump, who humiliated himself on a podcast. What a drama queen he is, Philly Bump. A useless carbon footprint, but nonetheless, there he is. Like so many at the Washington Compost. You know what? I don't need to say anything, Mr. Producer. Go ahead and play it. Go. Having the opportunity to win the hearts and minds of the American people on such an important issue is our responsibility. It is. And he's talking about abortion. He's talking about abortion. Go ahead. The second most powerful woman in all of the government, Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, walk into a banking hearing to talk about labor force participation rates. And she says that poor black women will have a better labor force participation rate if they have an abortion. Oh, my gosh. As a kid who was raised in poverty by a single black woman, I ran to the down to the banking committee and I asked her. I knew I misheard her. And she repeated it. When you have some of the most powerful voices in our country suggesting that abortion isn't it even a decision you grapple with, but it's a decision that helps your labor force participation with tears welling in my eyes and anger in my voice. I, said, I thank God Almighty 
that my mother chose life. And how dare you come down here and tell vulnerable women of any color that the alternative for better economic outcome? That was on our buddy Glenn Beck show. I like Tim Scott. I like him a lot. You can hear what a decent human being he is, what a moral human being he is. And the crap that he takes from the left and the media. Because he believes in liberty and he believes in the Constitution and he believes in America and his fellow Americans. He's not a Marxist bomb thrower. Quite the contrary. All of us should be very proud of him. Whether you vote for him or not. He's just the real deal. So is our buddy Glenn. And I'm talking about Tim here. He really is the real deal. I want you to listen to Scarborough. And I don't know. Probably half of you think, how the hell does that guy have a job on TV? He's such a swarmy, creepy, low IQ moron who's a grifter. Sold his soul to get his three viewers on MSNBC, as you must. Or you're thinking, wow, that's very cool. If a putz, any moron like that can get a job like that, anybody can. And of course, on MSNBC, that would be true. So let's listen to how Joe Scarborough talks about abortion. Cut 16, go. I'm so honored to terminate Roe v. Wade, Donald Trump says. He brags. By the way, by the way, this whole show, his whole mind, he's very sick. He's very, very sick. The world could be blowing up and he's going to talk about Donald Trump. The world is blowing up and he's attacking Donald Trump. Every day, in every way. This is all he does. He and the missus. Doesn't matter what's going on. It's Donald Trump. All right, let's start from the top again, Mr. Producer. Cut 16, go. I'm so honored to terminate Roe v. Wade, Donald Trump says. He brags time and time again about saying, I was the one who killed Roe v. Wade. I mean, this may be one time when Donald Trump shouldn't have taken all the credit. Because no matter what he says, well, first of all, people know he was the one that killed Roe v. Wade and makes 10-year-old rape victims flee the state. You know what? You know what? I almost uh, cussed and I shouldn't. You are sick. You are very, very sick. You know, the great thing about this nation is we've created a society, we've created a governing system under our Constitution where you can pick the state you want to live in. It's called federalism. It's part of the Constitution. You may have heard of it, the Tenth Amendment. And it's the glue that holds the country together. There are people who oppose the death penalty. There are people who support the death penalty. And you go down a whole list of things. There are people who, who want to live in California because they like 
all the Green New Deal, climate change stuff, and so forth and so on. But they're people who don't want anything to do with it, and they live in Florida. They're people who literally look at benefits that they might receive from the government in one state or another, and they prefer one state or another. Maybe you'll move to a state that doesn't have an income tax, or maybe you'll move to a state because they, the state government pays more money to its employees. There's a lot of decision-making that goes on. But abortion needs to be imposed on the entire nation. So he talks about a 10-year-old girl fleeing the state to go to another state. He never talks about that abortion house in Philadelphia. He never talks about what took place there. And that the abortionist is still in prison today in a life sentence. How he dismembered babies. How he flushed them down the toilet. Joe Scarborough never talks about that. And it was legal. That is abortion in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He never talks about those examples. He never talks about what happens in partial birth abortion. So they take a horrendous case, and it is a horrendous case. And then they build their entire narrative around it. But their horrendous case is all over the place. What abortionists do to women... And the babies? I don't know if Joe Scarborough reported on that or not. What do you say? That's a reason to outlaw abortion from beginning to end in every state in the union? No, of course he wouldn't say that. So he focuses on the 10-year-old. Do you have 100 examples, Joe? No, you don't. So he goes on about it. I'm just trying to show you. How superficial, how propagandistic, how sickening he, that network, and most of the media are. And it's Donald Trump's fault. The rape of the 10-year-old and her having to go to another state, that is Donald Trump's fault. You're sick, bro. You are sick beyond redemption. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. you point out something else to uh, the morning schmo. I thought he was a lawyer, by the way. I should point out something else. Even under Roe v. Wade, the second and third trimesters allowed state regulation. Now there's litigation back and forth in the courts on what that means and how much there can be. But as a general rule, even under Roe v. Wade, Abortion could be and was regulated. So to try to exploit the horrendous situation with this 10-year-old to make a cheap political point yet again about Donald Trump just shows you the, the loathsome mindset, the lack of a governor on his mouth or his brain that this fool entertains. But he knows. 
He knows that's what the clapping seals at MSNBC want to hear in the audience. So he throws them a fish every now and then. It's what he does. It's what they all do over there. And don't forget this weekend. This weekend is always Life, Liberty, and Levin weekend. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. And go ahead and set your DVRs, folks. You may not know where you're going to be Saturday or Sunday, but these shows, well, they're different than any others on TV. That I can assure you. And this weekend, we have fantastic guests, including the former ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer, as well as others. And on Saturday, uh, I'm going to do an evisceration of the American media, uh, the likes of which you probably haven't seen before. So we'll take a look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a tough, long week following another tough, long week following another tough, long week. That's why we meet here together. To share our thoughts, our emotions, our beliefs. This is the safe haven for constitutional conservatives and people who believe in liberty and humanity. We go to America every Friday in honor of you. Here we go.
the week's officially over. The weekend begins officially right now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, freedom fighters all over the world, and our brothers and sisters in Israel. We're going to march Tuesday, November 14th. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi and Zelda. Good night, Smokey and Gigi. Good night, Indy. Good night, Patton. Good night, Rory. Good night, Barney. And good night, Marty. We miss all our little pups. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. We're fighting like hell. Good night, Leo. Good night, Joe. And good night, America. God bless each and every one of you. Stay strong. Rest up. And don't forget to watch Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. on Saturday, 8 p.m. Sunday Eastern. See you tomorrow.